Love that video, yeah. Appreciate Pastor Brian sharing that in such a capsulized form and also thankful for his ministry the last three weeks from the book of Zephaniah and uh, tackled a book that uh, we rarely talk about but has some great stuff for us in terms of warnings and opportunities in our uh, generation today and so so thankful for his handling of God's word. I listened to all three of his messages on a flight from Fort Lauderdale, Florida to Washington, D.C. the other day and um, I listened to them on double speed. Can you imagine Brian Howard on double speed? And uh, I was blessed and encouraged and challenged. And praise God, last weekend, nearly 60 people gave their life to Jesus Christ. And uh, what a blessing. Now, I don't know if you realize it or not, but um, we are right now at a key anniversary point. We're at a key anniversary point. I feel like I need to give you a trigger warning. <laughs> Uh, the images and words you're about to see may trigger some angst, anguish, or anger in you. And it might come from different directions, and people in the room may feel different things. But this is the three-year anniversary since the World Health Organization described the coronavirus as a pandemic. That happened three years ago yesterday. And uh, three years ago this week, some areas of the nation began to shut down, and then late in that week... Uh, the federal government, the state government, local governments declared a shutdown for 15 days here in California. It went a little longer than that. Um, and we all faced something we never knew we would face. You remember, that was a unique time. We, we learned some things like the concept of social distancing, trying to keep six feet between you and other people. And, and uh, we even when you go to the store, remember, you'd wait in the line to get in. They'd only had so many people in. And then when you got in there, like at Costco, I took this picture back then. This is a picture of what items were available, unavailable, things that were often uh, found in shortage in different stores. And so we experienced some things together three years ago. Um, then there, was also, there were also just reminders through some memes of some of the fun stuff we dealt with in different ways. Uh, maybe fun, not so fun, but you remember the tan lines we got in 2020 that were different than most people's tan lines? I, uh, uh, also, you remember how uh, toilet paper became, became, there was such a shortage that it became like a prize. And so there was an image of, you know, one of those grabber machines where, you'd, you know, if you won the prize, you'd, you'd get a roll of toilet paper. Then we were going a little stir-crazy there in our lockdown, so people started posting just odd, crazy memes. One of my favorite was this one. Day 18 of lockdown filled the dog with helium. <laughs> Some of you as parents... And those of you in education had to figure out this new online thing, and some of you all of a sudden were homeschooling your kids through trying to connect with the teachers in schools, and, and uh, that was a tough time for some parents, and that this parent posted this on day one of that, homeschool day one, wondering how I can get this kid transferred out of my class. <laughs> now, you know, we've, we've faced... Uh, a lot in these last three years. It wasn't just the pandemic and controversies over protocols and all that. There, there are a variety of things. So I'm just going to give you a list of things that probably can trigger some of that angst, anguish, or anger. And I just want us to remember these three years were years of turmoil and difficulty and strain and disagreement. Uh, thing, I'll just put up some words here on the screen. Uh, Trump, Black Lives Matter, uh, masks, uh, January 6th. CRT, vaccine mandates. Now, all of us have different feelings and emotions about different things on the screen, and, and there was a lot that happened in these three years. 
As a matter of fact, it took a serious toll on us as people. There were fractured families. There were broken friendships. There were divided churches. There, we, are in, we became a polarized nation even more. And there were lost lives to the coronavirus. And there's a heaviness that some of you still carry. And while we seek to heal from all that we've gone through in the last three years and try to learn from that and move forward, I think it's important for us in this three-year anniversary of that beginning to kind of remember where we were at the beginning of that and what we looked forward to and where we are now. And so this week and next week, we're going to talk about the state of the church. Who are we as a church after these three years? If you remember, this image might be familiar to some of you, and you might identify it right away, but this goes back three years to March, uh, March 22nd of 2020. Do you remember? We, the, the lockdowns came, and there were kind of conflicting things of what we were supposed to do, and so we decided we weren't sure how it spread and all that, and we decided to do church in a very limited fashion from my living room. Anybody remember that? Yeah? Um, you know, and, and since then, even if you don't remember that, some, some people have even come to Calvary, first started online and joined us since that date. That date, March 22nd, 2020, is, that was the day when things began to really change, and that week was the week, and things that began to come down, and, and the beginning of those three years of such uh, difficulty and strain and stress. I'm just curious, how many of you in the room, I'm going to ask you to stand if this is true of you, if, if you, just for a second, just to stand, if you started attending Calvary since that date, March 22nd, 2020, you started attending Calvary since then, even maybe this week is your first week, would you stand? If you started attending Calvary since that date of March 22nd, 2020, just stand in the room. Yeah, great to, great to have you join us. Many of you have already become members or engaged and are active. Thank you, you may be seated. Uh, this has been an interesting season for us. Uh, we had, when I, we were in my living room, we were talking about how we were going to try to deal with that as a church. We we're going to pray. We we're going to do some specific things. And boy, God provided and God took care of us. And I want to do another one of those moments where we say, okay, this is where we are. Here's our here. And you know, last fall, we, we embraced together the vision that God had given our elders and our leaders here at Calvary, a vision called Calvary 2030 and how we're going to make disciples in these years ahead who live and love like Jesus. We have some specific outcomes and things that we wanna see. And so as we sit here now three years after all that we've gone through in these three years, as a church, where are we in this here? And if we're gonna go from here to there that God has for us in the 2030 vision, what does that look like? What does that mean? And so we're gonna talk about that today, how we move from here to there. And we're going to talk about that next week. This week, we're going to specifically look at the here quite a bit. And then next, we're going to look at the there and, and link together the two and talk about the journey ahead. So today, I want to talk about from here to there, the first part of a two-part series, kind of the state of the church, the state of Calvary Community Church in 2023, from here to there. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 4, John chapter 4. We're going to be looking at verses 27 to 42, focusing specifically on verse 40, or excuse me, 35. We're talking about lifting up our eyes. As we see in this passage, we're going to notice Jesus calls his disciples in a moment that was there here. 
to lift up their eyes and notice what God was doing and to see and seize those opportunities. And I want to challenge us this morning as a church, as brothers and sisters in Christ who are part of the family of God known as Calvary Community Church, that we need to lift up our eyes together and see and seize the opportunities for Christ and his kingdom that God is bringing our way. And I can tell you that even in the midst of some of our challenges, God is bringing us incredible opportunities to share Jesus with others, to share the hope and love of Christ, to serve others, to see people come to Jesus, be discipled, to live in love like Jesus. And as they live in love like Jesus, it will change their lives, their family, their neighborhood, this community, this region, our state, our nation, and the world. But we need to lift up our eyes in this here moment to see and seize the opportunities Christ is bringing us just as he brought to the disciples in John chapter four. Follow along as I read. You can follow along in a hard copy of your Bible or mobile device. Words will be on the screen as well. John four and verse 27. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. Now, Jesus and his disciples had been in Judea, a region where Jerusalem is. There'd been a threat against Jesus' life and he was not yet ready to go to the cross. And so he leaves to go back to the region he lived in, Galilee. To go there, he would go through Samaria. And um, this was an uncomfortable place for Jewish people because Samaritans were half Jewish, half Gentile, and there was a tension between Samaritans and Jews. As a matter of fact, the Samaritans and Jews disliked each other more than they disliked the Roman oppressors. It was controlling both and overseeing both. And so for Jesus' disciples, these Galileans, they were looking forward to getting home, and, but they're going through Samaria, and Jesus stops them at Jacob's well, and they go to get food and leave Jesus at the well, and he has a conversation with a woman. And he shares with her that she's there for physical water to quench her physical thirst, but he can quench her spiritual thirst as the living water. And he talks to her and shares with her how he knows of her broken and painful and sinful past. And, and yet he wants to offer her hope and life. And she begins to really grasp that this indeed may be the Messiah in their conversation. And the conversation gets interrupted because the disciples return and we're surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, why, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Why are you talking to a Samaritan woman? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? She just dropped her water pot. She was thirsty and needed water from that well that was the source of water for the little town she was from, Sychar. It's just a small distance from the well that sat outside the town. She dropped her water jar because her focus now is on this Messiah, this Jesus that she's met, and she runs into town and she says to him, you gotta see this guy who knows my story, and yet he accepted me. Could this be the Messiah? And the way the word, the question is framed in the original, it implies he must be. And notice they came out of the town and made their way to him. So they begin to leave Sychar and cross some fields of agriculture, some grain fields. And as they're crossing, they're moving toward the well. And we read, meanwhile, his disciples urged him, meanwhile, back at the well, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? What's he talking about? But Jesus was simply saying, look, I'm not, I'm not focused on eating right now. There'll be a time for that. I am focused on what God is doing that you guys aren't noticing. You don't know what conversation I just had with this woman. You don't know how this woman went into town and how that, 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 this woman has shared 
who I am with these folks in their company. You don't know this. I'm focused on something else. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. In this agricultural setting, when a farmer would plant the final seeds, he stepped back and and he would wait from the harvest time, or from the, the sowing time, planting of the seed, to the harvest time. There's a period there where he trusted God for the rain, for the sunshine to grow. And so when they'd plant that last seed, they would simply, it was an expression of the time, four months to harvest, done what I can do, waiting for what God's gonna do. And he says, don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest? I tell you, Jesus says to his disciples, open your eyes. Some of your translations there might say, lift up your eyes. And the tense it it is in there, that command from Jesus to open or lift up your eyes, is to do it and keep them focused. Lift up and keep your eyes focused. Look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and a harvest and harvests a crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. He says, lift up your eyes. Look, the fields are wide unto harvest. Now the fields, as best we understand from the context of this and how Jesus is talking, the grain itself is not ripe and ready to be harvested. When those fields were full and ready to be harvested, it'd be like a sea of white from the white heads of the grain that had popped open, and you would look out from the well back toward the village of Sychar, and you would just see a a white landscape, beautiful at harvest time. But it's not yet that time, and yet he's saying there is a harvest coming your way. Samaritans in the day were primarily white, and so as they're making their way across those people who've heard the good news from the woman that the Messiah is here and they want to meet him, they're coming across these fields and Jesus says to his disciples, lift up your eyes and notice what's coming your way. Look at the opportunities I'm bringing for my kingdom. You get to be a part of sharing with them what she shared with them that I shared with her. And he says, you get to harvest what you weren't even a part of starting and God's already been doing some work and planting the seeds. You get to help these people discover who I am and why I've come and to become a part of my kingdom. Then we read, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. Now for the disciples who didn't like Samaritans, this whole thing is uncomfortable. Why do we have to stop here? Why do we have to go through here? And I can imagine when the the Samaritan people who have begun to believe say, hey, Jesus, stay here in Samaria with us. Stay here in Sychar a couple of days. The disciples are like, what? Really? But he stays two more days, and then we read, and because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Jesus brought the disciples to a here that they may not have really wanted to be at. We collectively, as, as a congregation, as a body of believers, are at a, at a here point that maybe getting here has been messy, and very few of us, I don't want to go back and relive these three years. Very few of us would say we want to do that. 
were to hear moment, and they were to hear moment, and Jesus said to them, now guys, it's time to lift up your eyes, and you're, you're caught up in things. You need to be able to see what I am bringing your way, this great harvest you get to be a part of. Lift up your eyes. And so if you look back at verse 35 of John 4, it says, don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They're ripe for harvest. May I just tell you that since we cast the vision that the Lord gave our elders and pastors for uh, our, our church and how we're gonna make disciples between now and 2030, that vision called Calvary 2030 vision, we cast that last fall. God has been opening doors and bringing opportunities our way. And I can tell you as, as, a pastor, as the pastor here at Calvary, that the fields are white unto harvest. I'll share some of that with you. And I want to encourage you to lift up your eyes and see and seize the opportunities for Christ and his kingdom God is bringing to us as a family of believers here in the Caneo Valley known as Calvary Community Church. Let's lift up our eyes together and see and seize the opportunities God is bringing us. But may I also say that God is probably bringing people across your path, individuals and families and neighbors and friends, across your path, and maybe the stuff of these last three years has gotten your head kind of down and you need to lift up your eyes and notice the people around you in your life that God has been working in their lives and now he's brought them across your path so you can be a part of inviting them to meet Jesus and inviting them to come into Christ's kingdom to see their lives transformed and see the satisfaction, experience the satisfaction that Jesus can bring to them. I wanna share with you three things from this call of Jesus to his disciples in Samaria there to lift up their eyes, to see and seize the harvest that was before them. Number one, even though we may not be aware of it, God has been doing some powerful things. The disciples didn't know what had gone on in the conversation with the woman. They didn't know what was happening when the woman went into Sychar. But God was at work. And God's been working in the lives of your coworkers and your neighbors and your friends. God's been working the lives of your brothers and sisters in Christ here in the church. God has been working the lives of perfect strangers in our community. People have moved in in recent months and over the last few years. God has been doing some powerful things. Sometimes he does it in unique places. The disciples were standing here telling the story. They'd say, Samaria was the last place we thought anybody would come to Jesus. God is working in places, at your place of employment, in your neighborhood. He's working in places that we wouldn't naturally think. We always think God's working here in the worship center, on a church campus. He's working in our community. He's working in our world. He's working in lives. He's working in unique people. People maybe that rub you the wrong way, that see things differently than you do politically. People who, who have a whole different outlook on life than you do. People that may be unique to your perspective, like the Samaritans were to the disciples' perspective, but he's working in unique people. And thirdly, he's working in unique ways. Jesus shared who he was and revealed who he was to this Samaritan woman who was broken probably was in the fringes of the society there in Sychar, that little Samaritan town. She's the least likely of people to take the good news of Jesus to her neighbors and back to the people she knew in that community, but God used her. And you might say, I don't think God can use me. God works in incredible ways, ways beyond our understanding. 
And let me tell you, whether you realize it or not, God is working in the lives of people around you every day. God is working in our community, our state, our nation, and our world. And he's used the last three years and some of that tension and some of the fear and some of the discomfort and some of the pain and some of the loss. So that it's been a, a, a tough season for us as a nation, as a people. But God is doing some powerful, powerful things in unique places, in unique people, in unique ways. If you'll take out that State of the Church brochure that you got, if you didn't get one, you can slip back and get one there at the doors there, the Bible carts, or you can go to calvarywestlake.org and look for this on our main website. If you're joining us online, you can find it online as a PDF right there at calvarywestlake.org. This is just meant to give you a snapshot in time, three years after the COVID pandemic was declared a pandemic and, and after the, all of what we've gone through in the last three years, where are we as a church? Where are we as a church family? What, what are the realities we face right now in which God has been working? And I, I wanna share with you um, a little bit in this brochure you can see on the first page, it emphasizes John 4, 35. And, and how we need to lift up our eyes and look for the opportunities God is bringing our way in our individual lives and in our families and for us as brothers and sisters in Christ who make up Calvary Community Church. Here are a couple of realities listed on the page that says three realities our church is facing. Number one, on-campus attendance is building but still recovering, still recovering from where we were pre-pandemic. Our in-person attendance currently averages 2,506 in our Thursday night young adults Saturday night, 6 p.m., and our Sunday morning, 9 and 11 o'clock services. That was 4,503 4, 4, people just before the pandemic started in 2020. Now, what's interesting is today we have every weekend 2,500 views online, 500 devices or views watching our services, either in real time or in the six or seven days that follow. Uh, before COVID, that was about 300 to 400 views. Now, why do we say views about those who are online joining us? Those of you who are online, I don't know. There might be just you there by yourself. Might be you as a couple. You might have a family. You might have friends gathered. Sometimes small groups have gathered for worship services. So a view doesn't tell us how many people. If you extrapolate that out, then maybe it averages like one and a half people depending on the household. Uh, that means there are somewhere between three and 4,000 people who join us online. That's a big shift from maybe five or 600 who joined us online pre-COVID, and so there's been this huge shift where more and more people engage with us online for worship, and then I meet some of these people, not all of them, but many of them are still very engaged in small groups and ministry opportunities. I'll run into somebody at Ralph's, and they'll say, oh, pastor, love the series you're in. I'll think, wait, I haven't seen you except for like Easter, and, and they'll say, oh, but we're engaged online, and I learn, man, they know as much about what's going on here, and they're as engaged as, as some people uh, They've got a place of service and fellowship, but some people who show up every other week, and this is something I'm still trying to wrap my head around. As a matter of fact, we, we know people are leaning in. This last Christmas, we had the largest Christmas in the church's history. And yet, and yet we're, we're even expecting the largest Easter attendance coming up here in just a matter of weeks, and so we're preparing for that. So it's unique, this shift to many joining us online. And still many joining us in person, that number keeps growing. Every week we meet people who say, this is my first time back since COVID. 
God bless you, and, and however you engage, we are glad you're a part of who we are. There is a way through the number in our database and through other uh, dynamics that we, we've been watching for years. How many people call Calvary Community Church their church home? So if someone went to the emergency room and somebody at the hospital said, what is your house of faith? How many people in a crisis moment like that would say, Calvary Community Church is my house of faith, my church? Pre-pandemic, we had good reason to believe in looking at the numbers that that was between 15 and 20,000 people in the greater Canoe Valley who would say, Calvary is their church. In a post-pandemic world, remember pre-pandemic, 15 to 20,000. In a post-pandemic world, we still believe 15 to 20,000 people based on the activity in our database and other things that people are engaged with us. Attendance has shifted, it's different, it's unique. We're in a new era and yet, this is a reality we're trying to figure out and what does that mean for us? The second reality is giving is steady but not keeping up with costs. If you look at the chart there, you'll see that our budget each year, our, our annual ministry budget that fuels our missionaries around the world, our local outreach, our ministries on our campus to children, teens, and adults, that, that budget has been fairly static. We haven't really increased any particular budget by large amounts. The reality is inflation has hit us as well just like your household budget. How many of you uh, were shocked at uh, some of your recent gas bills? Yeah? Well, take what you in your household uh, have in terms of those costs and then just multiply that to this facility that we use as a family, as our home, this campus, and you can imagine. So while we haven't even really increased particular budgets, ministry budgets, the costs have been going up. In the last three or four years, California has had every year a hourly and salary wage increase, which you know, helps people to live and is a good thing in helping people to live uh, with the cost of living in our region. But at the same time, it's just a reality that keeps affecting our budget. We had a wonderful Christmas offering in this budget year. Our budget year starts September 1st, and so as we completed February, we're six months in. In December, we had a wonderful Christmas offering. As you know, about a quarter of all of our offerings come in then. And so what happens is we're able to support all of our missionaries in January for the year, and, and then we watch those resources that come in like that go down until we get to the end of the budget. And praise God, those funds have come in, but the costs are continuing to climb. And usually when we all give with that kind of energy and effort and focus in December, then we see in January and February the, the budget numbers are stretched a little bit, and we've faced that since the first of the year. We need about 165000 a week to fuel all the ministries here on our campus in the community and around the world, and uh, 165000 and we've been averaging about 145000 Now, the last two weeks were really strong because usually after we all give with uh, intensity in December, uh, we see the giving toward the end of February and March pick back up, and we're seeing that pattern. But I just want you to know that this is a challenging area for us. I remember when we cast the 2020 vision in 2011, that then early in the next year, God brought us all kinds of opportunities. The fields were widened to harvest, and, and we just had so many people we could minister in new avenues and new ways, and it was so exciting, and yet the opportunities came, but in terms of people to serve and to, to be a part of discipling others in their volunteer hours in terms of financial resources and space on our campus. The resources didn't match the opportunities. But as we prayed, God met those opportunities with those resources and God provided. And we're at that same stage. I sense God doing the same thing 
And so I want to encourage you to be, be, be praying about the financial resources. And I know this is a tough time for all of us in my 30 years of pastoring. I know when people give out of their regular lifestyle income of salary and wages, uh, when inflation comes, it makes it challenging for that kind of giver to give just out of their regular budget. And inflation's been high, so it's been challenging for those of us who give out of our regular wages and salaries and our paychecks on a regular basis. Uh, then, you know, at times when inflation's been high, then investments have been really good, and so those who give out their investments and kind of give legacy gifts, uh, they often, when inflation is high, have a capacity to give, but guess what? Investments are challenged right now. So I know for all of us, no matter how God has equipped us to give, this is a challenging season and would encourage us to be praying about that and be engaged. This is a challenging thing, but, but it is a reality that we face in the time when we have all these opportunities, and you can see that in uh, the page there. And then the, the third one on that page that is, is in front of you is momentum is building, but more leaders and volunteers are needed. And you know, the ones that uh, nationally, and it's true for us as a church, that are staying home are those who are about my age and older, I'm 56. A lot of empty nesters are staying home and watching church online, which, again, there's nothing wrong with that necessarily in and of itself. But boy, we're gonna be calling folks to, to lean in and serve and minister to the new families and the new people coming our way as God gives us incredible opportunities. So there are real challenges, but I can tell you this, even in the midst of all these challenges, we may not be aware of it, but God has been working the lives of people and people are hungry and thirsty and they're coming to us and they're ready for us to share Jesus with them. Secondly, even though we may not be ready for it, God is creating some incredible opportunities. Again, this is what I said a moment ago. The opportunities are there, all the resources aren't there, but God always raises the opportunities and gets our eyes lifted to the harvest field in our own lives, in our own spheres of influence, and for us as a church family, a, a, a body of brothers and sisters in Christ to look up and say, okay, what is there in terms of opportunities for us, for Christ and his kingdom, to share the hope and love of Jesus with others so they come to Christ? The disciples really weren't ready for all these Samaritans who were coming. That wasn't their thinking. That wasn't their mindset. And Jesus wanted them to see these people that they had an angst against. They didn't like. Jesus wanted them to see the people coming toward them as he saw them. He wanted to see them to see people through his eyes. And we're at a stage right now, whatever's going on, your family, your friends, with relationships, whatever emotions and strains and stress and disagreements there have been, we still need to see everybody through the eyes of Jesus and invite them into his kingdom. And his kingdom isn't the political right or the political left. His kingdom, the kingdom of Jesus, is not captured by any social movement or any political movement. Christ and his kingdom may reflect parts of all of those, but Christ and his kingdom is unique and we call people to that kingdom even though we may not be ready for it, even though maybe even your attitude and spirit isn't yet ready to engage the people God is bringing to us, he is creating some incredible opportunities. There's a sense of urgency to these opportunities coming away. Just like he said to them, you say four months, no, 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 no. The harvest is here now. God has been doing a work, and now you get to harvest, guys. There's a sense of urgency. There's a compelling vision. Look up and see the opportunities, and I'll give you this week and next an opportunity give you a glimpse at the opportunities before us. There are thirsty people. I'm meeting people all the time who just say, I'm so tired. I'm so worn out. I'm so hungry. I'm so thirsty. I'm 
There's a spiritual thirst, just like this woman had. Like these people were coming out to meet Jesus. The sea of Samaritans moving toward Jesus and the disciples, they were thirsty and hungry spiritually. Maybe you're here today and you're thirsty, you're hungry spiritually. Can I just tell you that no one satisfies, nothing satisfies like Jesus. To know Jesus as your Savior. Almost 60 people came to Jesus last week. They found the Savior and the satisfaction that comes in Christ. God offers you the opportunity today to put your faith in Christ, that he died, was buried, and was raised from the dead for you so you could have a relationship with God now and forever, and that he'll walk with you and bring satisfaction and meaning to your life today, forgive you of your past, and give you hope for tomorrow. Can I encourage you to put your faith in Jesus if you feel spiritually thirsty and hungry, you're, you're seeking today something from God, put your faith in him. I'll be, down, I'll be in the lobby, I should say. After the service, you can speak to me. Our care and prayer team come down front after each service to pray about any need anyone has in the room, but you can pray with them about receiving Christ. If you're online or in the room, you can even just right now make that commitment. Don't wait. You can text the name Jesus to 58568, the number below me on the screen, 58568. You can text that number, just the name Jesus is the body of the text, and we will help you Know what it means to find Jesus to be the satisfaction to your thirst, your hunger, your seeking God. Jesus is the answer. There's a sense of urgency, a compelling vision. There are thirsty people, and there's a sense of accountability. He says here in the passage, Jesus says, there is gonna be a reward coming. There are wages paid for those who do the harvesting. You get a benefit, a blessing out of being a part of what God is doing, and there's a sense that God's gonna hold us accountable. Remember the fires of 2018? It spread around in our region. The Ventura County Star put a map at the height of all that. And I remember putting a little dot where Calvary was in the middle of those fires of 2018 where homes had been destroyed. And I remember the Lord just saying to me, look where I placed Calvary. Look where I placed you. You have a huge responsibility to minister to these people in my name, and I'm gonna hold you accountable. We took that seriously. Here we are almost five years later, and while FEMA's gone and others have left, uh, we're the only ones. God's given us an opportunity to walk with three or four families still who haven't yet been restored to a home. We get to walk with them and, and work with them as we've done now dozens of families. I feel that same way in the healing that our community needs. That God has strategically put Calvary right here on the 101, right here in the center of the greater Caneo Valley area from Calabasas to Camarillo, from, from Malibu to Moore Park, we're right in the center. And God wants us to be a place where people come and they find the hope in Jesus and they find the satisfaction that comes from Jesus. And I think God's gonna hold us accountable for how we handle the harvest field that is wide unto harvest that he is bringing our way. What are some of the opportunities? Well, opportunity number one, there's a growing desire for connection. You can see that in one of the pages there. It says opportunity number one right at the top, a growing desire for connection. 4,100 new people have come into our database this last year. That does not include the people who just show up and never do anything to get into the database. There could be as many as that more who have come through and have connected and have visited us or been a part of a ministry with us. That's a tremendous opportunity. God is bringing the harvest field toward us. We need to lift up our eyes and see the field is white unto harvest. Since 2020, 340 people have been baptized. 
here at Calvary. Since 2020, 607 have gone through our membership class. Even in the midst of all the brokenness and the strain and the strife, 3,000 plus children, students, and adults have asked to be in a small group. People are hungry for connection. They're leaning in. We'll speak more about this next week, but opportunity number two, a growing hunger for God's word. A growing hunger for God's word. People want to know, what does God have to say about my life in this world today? What does God have to say about how you have peace and joy and satisfaction in this world? How we deal with the stuff of our culture and our society. There's a growing hunger for God's word. This, this last 10 weeks, it ends this Tuesday, I've been teaching a class every Tuesday night for an hour and a half to how to study the Bible. Opened up to the congregation, nearly 300 people attended. If you're one of those people, sorry that you've been a guinea pig in that journey. I've probably gone too fast and given too much information, but you've been gracious to me. I've learned a lot, and we'll figure this out to even make it better in the future. But people are hungry for what God has to say. And so to equip them on how to study the Bible for themselves is very important. In the last year, 1,322 people have gone through at least one of our Bible-based discipleship classes, Calvary 101, 201, 301, and 401, to be equipped to live their lives for Jesus in the world today. Our online sermon resources of sermons on podcasts and online in every delivery mode of possible digitally with um, have almost 3.5 million minutes of Bible teaching watched or listened to in the last year. People have leaned in. They're hungry for God's word. Thirdly, there's a growing need for Christ-like compassion. People are hurting and broken. Our world is frayed. People are still worried about their jobs. Inflation is making it hard to make ends meet. Each month, God gives us the opportunity to serve 450 families, 33,000 pounds of food through our fresh market and food pantry ministries. We're serving refugees from Afghanistan, Russia, and Ukraine. They're, they're coming into our area. They're connecting with our fresh market. They're getting resources. We've helped them move into places, get them furniture. Even our own Russian partners that escaped Russia and came, the two families and a single young man that have come and now are part of our church um, here and they're serving with us. Um, they have launched, last night was the second night for what they're calling the living room, a Russian language ministry for Ukrainians and Russians has begun. Isn't that incredible? They, God, we didn't know they would be here and God brought them there. This is a part of the the, the field went into harvest. They've been connecting with between 50 and 75 Russian-speaking individuals, and, and they've begun this group, and they're hoping to invite many of them to that so that they can worship and hear about Jesus and spend time with others who are going through a tough time in, in this world as well. There's been an increase in pastoral care, our financial assistance through benevolence, marriage counseling, support groups, recovery ministry. Some of you know that your, your loved ones dealing with addiction have really struggled in these last three years, and we're, we're upping our energy and our efforts to meet the needs of folks who are dealing with recovery. A growing need for Christ-like compassion. And fourthly, there's a growing influence on the next generation. You remember our 2030 vision, we want to dramatically elevate excuse me, dramatically develop our love for God's word and, and we want to dramatically increase our compassion, our Christ-like compassion for the hurting and we want to empower our next generation, our next generation. Interestingly, you can read about that on the page. This is opportunity number four we've been doing for families and how children, families with young kids have been showing up at a much faster rate than any other group, especially zero to four-year-olds. Our zero to four-year-olds in the last four to six weeks have almost gotten to the same level they were pre-COVID. 
a major ministry we launched in 2020, the only really major ministry we launched in 2020, in the midst of all of that noise and mess of that year was our ministry to seasoned saints, to seasoned adults, those over 60. Why was that important to us? Because we knew God was calling us to empower the next generation, but you need older men to speak into the lives of younger men and older women to speak into the lives of younger women, and, and you need a generation that recognizes they have wisdom and experiences. They've walked with God and walked in life that can be poured into the next generation. It's not just about what the next generation gets in this empowerment, but it's about what the senior adults are doing to empower that generation in Jesus' name and to pour into them. So thankful that God brought Pastor Dick Thompson to us to lead that ministry. They have the salt company going on right now in room 1100 where they're being equipped to use their wisdom and their lives still for the glory of God and his kingdom. The rate of growth in the last few months among, among, months among kids and students is amazing. Our preschool, day, daytime preschool, five days a week, is uh, adding a classroom and is full already without any advertising for the fall of 2023. Our VBS opportunities, MOPS opportunities, adventure weeks, I'll share some of those with you next week. There are just opportunities after opportunities, our opportunities to lean in and help care for the needs of foster kids in our, in our community, both in L.A. County and Ventura County, are increasing and great opportunities before us. We'll talk about that even next week. You see, though we may not be ready for it, God is opening doors. He's bringing opportunities our way. Those disciples, I imagine they stood there going, when they saw these people coming, they felt so unprepared. And in a way, even with these huge opportunities, they go, oh, okay, Lord, I don't know how this is going to work out. All these people coming hungry and thirsty. But I've seen you do it before, and you'll do it again. Thirdly, even though we may not be comfortable with it, God is calling us to immediate action. Even though we may not be comfortable with it, God is calling us to immediate action. In John 4.35, I think the disciples are still trying to figure out, who was that woman? Why was he talking to her? Why would he talk to a Samaritan? He didn't need to do that, and now she's in the city, and who are these people coming this way? And they're just uncomfortable with the whole situation, the here moment that Jesus has put them in. And you may be comfortable, uncomfortable with the here moment of where you are in life and what's going on with your job and your family, but lift up your eyes and see what God's doing to bring people across your path in your everyday life. Lift up your eyes and see what God is doing to bring people into our path as a church family. We may be uncomfortable with it, but God is calling us to immediate action. Jesus said, you don't have four months, fellas. The harvest is moving towards you now. Which means an investment of our focus, our prayers, going to God. God, this is yours we want our eyes to be on the harvest, but our eyes are on you to meet the needs of this harvest. Investment of our resources, our time, our talents, our, our treasure, investing in God's kingdom to see more and more people come to Jesus. An investment of ourselves. Investment of ourselves in what God is doing and seizing the opportunities he's bringing our way. An investment of ourselves to see people the way Jesus sees people, not the way a social or political or cultural perspective says we're supposed to see people, but the way Jesus says we're to see people and serve them so they can come to Jesus and they can be discipled to live in love like Jesus and they can reach others who will come to Jesus who will disciple others and that's how the world is turned upside down when his kingdom spreads, but it calls for an investment of our lives. Let's lift up our eyes together as a church and see and seize the opportunities for Christ and his kingdom that God is bringing our way.
in the next generation and those who are hurting, those who are looking to be connected, those who are hungry and thirsty in this world. So what do we do? We weren't aware of what maybe God has been doing in individuals' lives. We, we really, really aren't ready for all that God is bringing in terms of opportunities. We might not be comfortable that we say, yeah, I've got everything together, I'm ready to go. What do we do? A woman came out last night and she said, but what can I do? But what can I do? I'm answering that question specifically next week. All of us in this room could do something to be a part of the harvest that God is calling us to as a church to meet the needs of people who need healing and help and hope today and are coming our way. This week, ask God to lift up your eyes to see what he's doing. Ask God to open your heart to seize the opportunities bringing. Just ask him to show you one or two people in your own life at work or in the neighborhood or someone online that you're connected with. Someone, ask him to open your eyes to somebody where he's stirring something in their life. He's doing something and they're a part of the white fields in your own sphere of influence. Ask God to help you see and seize that. Ask God to help us as elders and pastors and ministry directors and, and leaders and as a congregation, as a body of believers known as Calvary Community Church, that we might see and seize the opportunities God has for us. Again, I tell you, I feel and sense that God is doing something so similar to what he's done in the past in my life and ministry in the life of Calvary over almost 50 years and that his opportunities are here, he's gonna provide and God is gonna do a great work. This isn't a Sean thing, this isn't the leadership thing, this isn't even us as a body thing, this is a God thing. That's why we've been saying for years we will attempt something so big for God that it is doomed to fail unless he is in it. And the realities. The realities we face, and it may seem huge to us, God will take care of. But he's bringing people already, and we need to engage. If you're curious about that 2030 vision that we talked about last fall, that we as a body have embraced to move forward together, you can get that at calvarywestlake.org. It's a yellow kind of focused magazine there that you can get and get it in the lobby. But as you move from here to there, look at what's going on in your own life. A friend of mine who's a part of Calvary, been part of Calvary even before I arrived 15 years ago, texted me yesterday and said, you know the guy you met who was working on some stuff at our house? He came to Jesus today. He lifted up his eyes and saw an opportunity just to say the good news and words of hope and pointing to Jesus, just like that woman did when she ran into Sychar. Maybe God will give you opportunities this week to lift up your eyes and to see someone that he's prepared in your path. What can I do? Well, that last page says, what can I do? This week, what you can do. Next week, we'll talk about more specifics. But this week, pray. Pray over this brochure. Take it and pray for everything in it. Pray about it. Pray about your next steps. Pray about our church body. Pray for our witness in the greater Caneo Valley. Let's lift up our eyes and see what God has for us. God is calling us to see and seize opportunities for Christ and his kingdom, to see people through his eyes, to serve them with the humbleness and love that Jesus had. And it can seem overwhelming at our moment of here as we look forward to the months and years ahead. But I know this, as Paul declared in Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. And where I stand, buried below this 
podium, this pulpit, this verse is buried in the ground. Because we as a church have lived with that expectation for almost 50 years, and we have that expectation as we leave here today. God is going to do something great, and I trust you want to be a part of it. It's only what God can do. Let's lift up our eyes and see the harvest. They are white. The fields are white unto harvest. Father, I wouldn't want to relive these few years, and maybe some folks are still reeling. Maybe they're still trying to figure out stuff. Maybe there's stuff going on in their own personal budget and the inflation's going on. Maybe people are looking at their retirement portfolio and what's going on in investments. They're very concerned. I pray, Father, you'd meet them where they are and help us to lift up our eyes. Even in, when we might not feel like we're ready, maybe we feel uncomfortable. Maybe we just say, what's God been doing? May we be ready. And may we see the people in our own spheres of influence that we get an opportunity to introduce to Jesus by our life and by our lips. And Father, may we as a church, as brothers and sisters in Christ who call Calvary our church family, may we move forward, moving from here to there, knowing, yes, we've got some challenges. Yes, there are some realities. But there are some incredible opportunities that you're bringing our way that you expect us to step up and trust you as we seek to be a part of the harvest you want to bring in as you bring people into your kingdom. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the beauty and simplicity of his kingdom. And may our heart's desire be to see and seize the opportunities you're bringing our way. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. You know, a grateful people are a generous people and part of that resourcing what God's doing on this campus in our community and around the world is us giving as God enables us, pray about what God would have you to give. And you can give at calvarywestlake.org slash give. You can give online there. You can give uh, through a check or through cash in the silver secure boxes that are at the doors. But let's give to God's work. Let's fuel what God is doing. And as we give, God will provide through all of us giving together to the work of God. Would you stand? And I'm reminded that we are a part of a kingdom that... Nothing on this earth looks like. It's radically different than any version of politics or culture or society. It's the kingdom of Jesus. It's seeing people as Jesus sees people. Let's sing that song, Simple Kingdom. Let's go out with our heart's desire to lift up Jesus by bringing people to Jesus, just as what happened in John 4.